Welcome to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast. I'm Danny Sheriff, your host, certified fertility awareness practitioner, functional nutrition counselor, and founder of the HA Society, and of course, an HA recovery coach who has walked where you currently are walking. This is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. So let's dive in. But last thing, nothing on the show should be taken as medical advice. So please seek the advice of your physician. Hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy. This is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies, mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well and how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much In this 60-minute masterclass, y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to thehasociety.com forward slash masterclass Or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's thehasociety.com forward slash masterclass. (laughs) Okay, guys, welcome back to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea podcast. Today, it's me, Ashley, with, I guess she's not an OG OG, but Megan has been around the HA Society and she's stuck around, which is epic on so many other levels. But anyways, we have Megan here with us, one of my clients to share her story because I think it's a story that's not told as much. And we're all about 
making sure that you guys don't feel crazy or that you're alone and that you can do this. So um, everybody, welcome Megan. Hi, Ashley. I'm happy to be here. Long time listener, member of the <laughs> community and just excited to share my story because I know I loved hearing everyone else's story and it made me feel less crazy as well. Right. <laughs> if I have to think back in the archives of my brain, pretty sure when I was recovering, I was like checking message boards every day to make sure that somebody in the world had recovered <laughs> so that I was like, okay, it's still happening. <laughs> People are still recovering. This is still a thing. I'm still on the right track. I, was like, I, 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 I feel you 100%, 100. Like you, it's almost like you get obsessed with yes. like recovering and just like consuming all the information that you can because yeah, you just need all the support to keep going. Yeah, no. So I'm glad I, I've never said that out loud, but I'm glad I'm not the only one. And, and I'm not surprised. So definitely dive into your story. Like how did you get HA? How did you even get here? How did you get here, Megan? <laughs> I ask myself that question every day. <laughs> um, so I would, I'll give a brief overview because I know we're really trying to focus on life after recovery because that's not a topic we touch upon a lot, yes. but I want to set the stage so everyone knows where I'm coming from. Um, so right before the pandemic, I went on a trip to Peru, looked at like my stomach in the mirror and was like, oh my God, I don't like that. It's sticking out. And granted at this point, I'm, I'm in a thin body. Like I, I didn't need to be losing weight, but mm -hmm. that's what triggered then going full blown into exercise, exercising six days a week, maybe twice okay, a pause day. Real pause real quick. Do you think that it was your organs in your body that was triggering you? <laughs> I, you know, how because you mentioned that you're like a lean, like, like a leaner individual. And I think I saw a picture of you and you were very lean. I think it was through like the HA society. Like, I think it was like your profile pic. And I'm like, those are possibly your organs. <laughs> who, who knows? But we all have our area that we focus on. And my area has always been my stomach. So mm -hmm. You know, I'm diving in crazy town to like over exercising. I'm not upping my calorie intake, but I'm not purposely like tracking calories or like per mm. se, like trying to cut my calories. But I think I just didn't increase my calorie intake, even though like my exercise level went way up and I just started losing weight. And of course, in my mind, I'm like, oh, this is great. Like, why would I want to stop this? You know, and then the pandemic hit and everything shut down. And that just like turned up the volume like 10 times higher because I was like, oh my God, I don't want to get fat. You know, cause how everyone was talking about like, oh, we're not going out as much. So like, you know, everyone was talking about worried about gaining weight. So that just like increased my fear of weight gain that much more. So I just dove like full on into like anorexia. I'm like dropping down to like 90 pounds and it's just you know I think like all of us is just getting crazy out of control I'm just restricting as much as I can I'm body checking every day and this goes on for a couple of years and then in the fall of 2022 after one of my runs I noticed some bleeding when I wiped and so that's what for 
first like triggered the alarm bells of like, this is weird, not supposed to be having my period right now, which I was on the birth control pill. So I was just getting withdrawal bleeds. And so I got it bleeding when I shouldn't have. That's when I went to the doctor and they basically were like, oh, you're fine. Like this is breakthrough bleeding and it's caused by the pill. And how we fix it is by increasing your dosage of the pill. <laughs> and that's when I first kind of looked at them and went, that doesn't make sense. You know, <laughs> like this it's wild. Seem- like we all have a moment where like, we've been told that the pill has been, this has been something, right? And then we're like, yeah, uh-huh. Okay. And then all of a sudden, everyone who's decided to, not everyone, I'm sure like there's a small percentage of people who were actually not on the pill. And you guys, you guys are the real unicorn. So if you want to be a unicorn, that's probably it. But anyways, where all of a sudden you're just like, huh, I don't know if I believe you. Yeah. That, right. That's I mean, the, like we don't say that, but well, kind of what happened. yeah. And, and that's the moment I had. And when they did full blood work on me, my blood sugar was really low. It was at like 43. And I even got a call after hours from them saying like, are you okay? Like most people who have this blood sugar level, like are in the hospital. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I feel fine. I'm great. And like I had, they made me come back in so they could recheck it. And the doctor who rechecked it, it went back up to 60, which is still pretty low. But when I told him, I was like, I'm just like a runner. I'm a marathon runner. I run a lot. He goes, oh, okay. Like that makes sense. Like you're just probably like one of those people who's just very thin. And he was like, okay, off you go. But after that, like just doubt started creeping in my head. And then in January of 2023, I, or no, this is January, 2022. I decided to go off the pill because I knew I wanted to have a family one day. My husband and I are married at this point and the months just start ticking by and I don't have a period. And after the first month, I'm kind of like, okay, like, you know, I'm sure like my body just needs to readjust after the pill. Second month goes by. I'm like, eh, this is getting a little concerning. <laughs> and then the third month goes by and I'm just like, ah. I finally go to my OBGYN and she actually was a pretty amazing OBGYN because she met me. I talked to her, let her know what was going on. And she just kind of looks at me and she goes, you know, you're really thin. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> She's like, you know, like most people who are like really thin, they haven't had their period. Like you probably have HA. I was like, what? Who H-A? is this golden doctor? <laughs> Where is she? Where can we find her? So, uh, you know, like an OBGYN that knew about HA. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so then she's like, but you know, let's run some tests first before I make a final like conclusion, that's what you have. So I'm like, okay. So she did, you know, the blood panel work through, of course, all my, um, you know, the sex hormones, like all that, that's super low. Did the Provera challenge, <laughs> failed that miserably. <laughs> and then I went in, she did an ultrasound of like my reproductive organs and she's kind of showing me everything. She's like, oh, look at your uterus. I'm like, okay. She's like, you have absolutely no lining. She's like, that's because you have no hormones going on to build your lining. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I really like her. I really like her even more. Um, side note, a memory is just coming back. I I was getting my ultrasound done. And they were like, yeah, looks like you just had your period. You have no lining. I was like, I haven't had it in five years. 
<laughs> so she was like, oh, oh. And I was like, and that's probably the first time I thought that there might be actually something wrong. Just because of her reaction, she was like, oh, like, <laughs> she's like, oh, this is not normal. <laughs> yeah. Okay, keep going. Oh, keep going. So no then I, yeah, so after that point, she basically, and she didn't really tell me what to do. Like, she just basically was like, go Google HA and like, you'll figure it out. <laughs> And, and she even told me though, she goes, I mean, I think I remember her saying like, you probably need to gain weight or yeah, eat more. Yeah. And if you don't feel like you're able to do that, like, let's get you on the pill. Cause it's really not good that you don't have any hormones going on. And I was like, can I try to get my period back first? And she's like, yeah, absolutely. Just come back to me if you feel like you're not ready to go down this path. So I was like, okay. And I'm also like the type of person that like, once I figure something out, like, I just have to fix it. And so I just started doing a ton of research, talked to dietitians, started picking their brains. One of them was like, oh, you should pick up the book, No Period, Now What? And so I was like, all right. And so I consumed that book like in a couple of days and I'm just sitting there going like, oh my God, <laughs> like this is, this is me. My, <laughs> like this is explaining my life to me. And then it's talking about like going all in, no exercise at 2,500 calories. Like I'm having a fit and I'm just like, my life is over. <laughs> and so then I tried to go at it on my own for a couple of weeks and I just started to slowly like eat more because I was the person that would exercise hardcore in the morning and then not eat till at least 9 a.m. So I basically like when I first like got up and before I exercised, I forced myself to eat like a graham cracker or two. And I just like started off like baby steps that way. And then a little bit more into my journey, I came across the HA Society and that's when I was like, I have to, you know, reach out and see what these people are all about and started listening to the podcast. And then I ended up joining. And then what ended up happening is like with going all in, like I did stop all exercise. I was upping my eating and then it was just like, the floodgates opened and like my hunger just went from like zero to 100. And I just have probably had the worst extreme hunger cases that I've seen amongst like all the women yeah. I've talked to. And it was horrific and scary. And I just literally had to like eat or else, you know, when you have like a really bad, like blood sugar, like drop or you're you just have to eat in that moment. Like I like, just imagine like the hangriest you've ever been. And that's me like 24 seven, like I'm waking up at like 4am and just being like, Oh my God, I have to eat. Like it was just, it was getting wild. And I just had to kind of surrender to yeah. the process. And I, you know, I was working with Ashley at this time and just having the support of the community was major. Cause I was like, am I going like crazy or something right now? Like I've never felt these feelings of hunger before. And then just all the emotions gaining weight so quickly, just all the things mm -hmm. just hitting me at once. And then luckily, you know, two and a half months after going all in, I got my first period. I ovulated. It was amazing. And for the most part, I've 
been pretty regular ever since. Mm-hmm. Like I've had like hiccups like here, there where like my cycle was like 40 days long, mm-hmm. you know, but for the past five months, like my cycle is like on the dot where I can just like plan, like on this day, I start my period. Right. Yeah. And I think that you even traveled and went to Italy and then mm-hmm. like, was that, was that your first cycle or your second cycle? That was my second cycle. Your second cycle. Yes. Okay. So I, I didn't even, one ha- of them. so I didn't even have to, re- I didn't even have the time to like have that dreaded second cycle that seems to take forever just mm-hmm. because I was busy in Italy and somehow in all the craziness of travel, sleep deprivation, sometimes like time zone difference, somehow my body still ovulates. So when I came home, Ashley and I were looking at my temps and we're like, am I sick? Am I pregnant? Like, why are they so high? And it just ended up me ovulating. <laughs> yeah. And that uh, was because she didn't temp in Italy, which good for her. I mean, like you're in Italy, you know what I mean? Yeah. I would definitely say that I'm trying to think if you are the, like from like your starting point, from like your lightest point, your leanest point, you may be one of my, on the leaner side of clients. Now, granted, you know what I mean? Like, and so I think it's just interesting that I think probably because you were, because you're so lean for so long and so petite for so long that your body was like, look here. Oh, we have <laughs> some backlog to do. You know what I mean? Like we have a lot of things to sort out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I should add that just as we dive into the life after recovery stuff, like I probably gained like one of the most amounts of weight mm-hmm. out of like, just again, all the like women that I've been around in the community. So yeah, it's again, it's just, it felt like everything went from like zero to 100 and like good and bad ways, you know? Cause it's like everything happened at once. I did get my period quickly, but also it felt like overnight I went from like a thin bodied person to like mm-hmm. a large bodied person. Yeah. And I really feel like that's kind of been part of your like evolution as a person, because I remember us kind of going through it and, and like, we can kind of dive into it, but like, you were like, so, you know, when they talk about thin privilege, I think <laughs> I was living that. And I was like, I know, bro, it's a real thing. Like you don't realize you don't realize it until like you don't have it that you were a hundred percent operating in it and not even like knowing about it. I just feel like there was so, and like, to be fair, because everything seemed to go so fast and that wasn't just because, and that was not without you being committed to let your body to like surrender to your body. And that's why it went so fast. I'm a firm believer in that 1000%. You know what I mean? But there was a lot of processing on the backside, a lot, because there just wasn't actually enough time to process while doing it. Like, like there wouldn't be enough time. You know what I mean? Just because you did recover quickly and, you know, things did turn back on quickly, but there's still, I mean, like, I think I still process now. And I know that like, you're still processing now to this day. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And as uh, Mishi, the other coach and she always talks about the recovery after the recovery and like however you want to phrase it I mean it's so true like I do believe like 
the second part of my journey is truly the mental aspect because I'm at this point now where it's like I'm in this larger body and it mm -hmm. is what it is at this point, mm -hmm. you know, because I'm not going to take drastic measures to like lose a ton of weight at once, you know, so I basically have been forced to figure out how to live life, like how to live life in a larger body because this is where I'm at right now. It could change down the road, but how do I continue to live my life? Because the other thing I do want to say is, you know, once I got through those first three periods, you know, then you're deemed recovered and I'm doing air quotes right now. <laughs> um, and so it's kind of like once I had those initial like goals out of the way and it was almost like, okay, you're recovered, like, like free bird, like go live your life. Like I kind of had to sit there for a second and, and like assess the situation, kind of really look at my body for the first time. Cause again, everything was happening so fast that like, honestly, I just kind of avoided like looking at myself in the mirror, you know, that was the only way I could survive at the time. Hey, do you know what your blind spots are? As in, do you know what it is, what the thing is that is holding you back from getting your period back? Look, it could be an absolute plethora cornucopia of things, but in our practice, what we tend, the first place we tend to go is what behaviors and habits do you have around food that you may be still doing? And these are called blind spots because we just don't necessarily always know that they're an unhelpful habit or that it's something that we're doing, whether it be a subconscious or conscious need to control our food or our body, or whether it be something that you've just done for so long that it feels normal and like a preference even. We have created a checklist. It's a three-page checklist that goes through food types, behaviors around food, and mindsets around food. And what you do is you go through the lists and you check off and you see which ones are you doing, whether it be daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and how are they potentially affecting your recovery today? So it's a really simple checklist. It's just three pages. You go through it. There's a very simple scoring system to help you figure out um, how much this may be impacting your recovery. And it's just an insightful thing for you to do to help you reflect and then you can journal about it or you can learn more about it and just start really working at any of the boxes that you checked and understanding that they're playing a role in your recovery so to get the checklist all you have to do is go to the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot and we'll send it straight through to you you can print it off and you can check on it every now and then. I always recommend a reflection point every like four to six weeks. How are you going? Are you still checking that behavior off or have you, you know, systematically kicked it to the curb? So check it out. It's the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot and it will be waiting for you there. So as I was assessing like the situation, <laughs> I honestly think you know, I went through a period of a couple months where I was probably depressed and mm -hmm. I felt like a hermit. I didn't want to go outside because, and like, luckily my job, I worked from home. So it allowed it, it offered me to do mm -hmm. that. Maybe that's good or bad, <laughs> um, but I didn't want to go outside because I was just so ashamed that I had like gained so much weight quickly, even though I knew exactly why I gained all this weight. Like mm -hmm. I was still just so 
ashamed about my body because I had all these beliefs in my head of it's bad to be in a Mm -hmm. big body. Like I've done something wrong Mm -hmm. to get to this point. And, and I was wearing just like baggy clothes and just dark colors because I just wanted to hide my body. And then, I mean, one of the things that kind of pushed me was then a few months later, I actually got laid off from my job, which is Oh like, my gosh. Yes. Let's like, talk about a, this. Let's it's like, talk that's about a whole, this. Yeah. It's like, imagine you just like went through, the, through this like intense recovery journey. And then it's like, bam, like you get laid off from your job. Like my head was spinning and I'm like, so you're telling me I have to go look for a job now, which looking for a job is one of those processes where like, you're just judged like hardcore from every angle, you know, as people are trying to figure out if you'll be the right fit or not. So I'm like, so you're telling me as I'm like in the largest body I've ever been in, super uncomfortable, not really liking my appearance right now. Like I got to go put on this like happy face and like just sound all positive and like go get a job. And by the way, I have no interview clothes <laughs> that fit me right now and so that kind of kicked my me my butt too to get into gear like you know what I just got to accept myself and I got bigger fish to fry at this point you know like I have to make like a living I got to go get another job like I don't have time to worry about like what I look like what does my body look like what do people think of me like I just I got to figure it out Yeah. I think that's so interesting that you, I mean, I mean, I do feel like that was like a catalyst. I think like you were searching for like, okay, now what, like, what are my next steps, you know, type of thing. You know what I mean? And yeah, applying for a job in general, which I think kind of, that's how we got on this topic was like, oh, I normally step forward with thin privilege and I normally hide mm-hmm. behind thin privilege. And I don't have that this time. And I have to be like, I have to put myself in situations where like, you're meant to be judged. <laughs> I have been <laughs> hiding and avoiding like, you know, the mirror because, you know, and, and now you want me to like life. You now want me to be in this situation and you know what I mean? So which I feel like kind of leads into what like our true hearts desires to talk about is life after recovery. So what are some of the things? And then I know that you have a few things that you definitely wanted to hit on. What are some of the things like in recovery that you were like, I can't do this. And I don't like, whether it's physically, whether it was like working out or whatever that like, I don't see how I'm ever going to be able to do this because I've only ever done it in a thin body like like you want me to learn how to do this in a bigger body you know what I mean like mm-hmm. tell me about some of those things because I feel like those things have been so amazing to watch as your story unfolds and you hang out still with like the HA society yeah absolutely so before recovery I was an avid runner I mean I was the fastest female runner in my running club like leading up to recovery, I'm like breaking all these like PRs and I'm just so jazzed and pumped at like where I'm at, like running wise. And in my running community, everyone like looks up to me as like 
the fast, like the little one, you know, and it's like overnight, like that identity got stripped from me. And so once I had reached the, again, air quotes, recovered portion of my journey and had three cycles, I was like, okay, you know, time to figure out what does like exercising. So I like to do strength training and running. So what does that look like? And the first time I tried running, I literally thought I couldn't run. Like I just thought I couldn't run because I was such in a foreign body that just I had things jiggling that didn't jiggle before. Like the first time in my life, like I have boobs and when you run, your boobs bounce up and down. And I had never experienced that before. So I just, it was just too much. It was just <laughs> way too much. I absolutely had like meltdowns in the beginning. And I literally thought I have to lose weight in order to be able to run again. And again, like, luckily I had the support of the community working with Ashley and she's like, no, like, you don't have to, like, you can do this. I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> I can't do this. And you're so like, no, no, no. But really like, <laughs> you're like, I do remember like you were trying to convince me that you're like, this body type doesn't run. Right. You're like, yeah. no, 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 no. Like <laughs> physically I can't, <laughs> you're like, I think that you're just trying to express to me, like, no, I've never ran in a body like this before. And every part of this is foreign. And like, I remember us talking and be like, remember people of all different sizes actually enjoy movement. And you know what I mean? And like, and like, it was like one of those things like, oh yeah, you're right. Like movement isn't only for lean or smaller people. Yeah. And so, yeah, I took that to heart and I basically, I had to, another problem was I had to swallow my ego and my pride wow. because my ego was telling me, oh, you should be able to pick off where you left off and just like, I should be able to go run like five miles right now. No problem. At like seven or eight minute pace, no problem. And it's just like, no, no. Like I literally had to just go back to the basics and be like, and get into the mindset of, I am a beginner runner and pretend I've never ran before. Like just get into that mindset. And so once I got into that mindset, I had to run walk for like 20 minutes. So like I would jog really slowly for like a minute or two. And then I would walk for like two minutes. And I just like kept alternating that for the 20 minutes. And I would say it took me a good couple months before I got to the point that I could just run solid without walking for like 15 minutes. And now that it's been like six months of doing that, I have gotten to the point where I can run for 50 minutes straight. And so I run twice a week. I do my long run. So that's the 50 minute run. And then I do what I call my speed workout. And I basically just run like quicker for mm -hmm. like 20 to 30 minutes. And then I do sprints at the end. And honestly, like I have seen so much like improvement and like along the way, I just always tell Ashley like, oh my God, I can run for like 30 minutes straight, <laughs> you know? And 
I mean, I think out of all of this, like, I I don't weigh myself regularly, but like, I really don't think I've lost weight, mm-hmm. you know, or if I did, it's like very minor because I'm still wearing the same size clothes <laughs> as I have. And so, you know, it's like, I have been able to see all of this improvement without losing weight, you know? Mm-hmm. So now I am a believer that you can improve and it doesn't have to mean in order to improve, I have to lose weight. That like our bodies are resilient. They can get better. And granted, I'm still not running as fast, like anywhere near as fast as I used to, but like, that's okay. Cause Mm -hmm. towards the end, when I was in my anorexia days, like I was so obsessed with like, I always had to continually like increase my mileage or pace every week because it was like, I have to run hard all the time in order to not gain weight. And also the harder I push my body, it's like, oh, well then I can eat more that day. And like, mm-hmm. I was starving myself. So all I wanted to do <laughs> was eat more. So it's it's like, I, I used to, running turned into coming from a place of fear. And now I run and I just truly enjoy running and it's not from a place of fear. And you know what, if I want to stop and like, I don't know, take a picture, like look at something like I do when before I was that runner who was like, I'm not stopping for like anything till I get to the end of my workout, you know? So it's just like, there better not be a baby. There better not be a stroller. (laughs) I'm going to run you over. I will stop and come back and check on you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or like big, that's so big. Yeah. Before you were running from a place of fear and now you're actually truly running from a place of enjoyment and it doesn't depend on your body and really tying into that lie of if I stop, I'm never going to be able to like do it again. You know what I mean? It's like, that's fear because really and truly your body does not lose the ability to respond to a stimulus. It does not, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't, it doesn't or else like all the college kids who are like on campus in sport and then they go off for the summer. You know what I mean? Like, yes, even their athleticism, like decreases and all the coaches know that and then it increases as they come back you know what I mean that like it's it's it is actually a life cycle and it's never like you're always going to improve or else I do remember you saying that like at that point in your life like make like running was such a priority that it was like rigidity to like the hundredth degree that like your day was consumed by when you would work out yeah absolutely like if I missed a workout it was like the end of the world like the world was going to end to the point where I let loved ones down in my life because I prioritized working out whether that was strength training or running over like their well-being like I remember one time my husband had like you know this kind of crisis moment he was like dealing with with his like car and stuff and like obviously if it was like a loved one in the hospital I like to believe I would 
<laughs> you know, Mr. I, I like to believe like, it. I would like to believe it. Yeah. But it's like he was having this like issue thing with his car. And I literally was kind of like, I got to go to the gym right now. Like, I'll deal with this like when I get back. And, you know, of course, that didn't make him feel good. Yeah. yeah. You're like, I love you. But right now, I appreciate running more or like the gym. Yeah. No, 100. And, sure. I, and I think everyone can re you know, can like relate to that where you look back and you're like, huh, yeah, I did that. That seems a little intense. You know what I mean? And it's like, and again, it's like, I think because we glorify athletes and the sacrifices that athletes make that we think that that should be our life in real life. And I'm like, um, do you know how mentally unwell, like high performing athletes are? <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, let's just take that into account. So, yeah. So I, I personally love, I love hearing the updates on like your running and all these things and all these things that you're like, I, like you were firmly like, no, like, I really don't think I'm ever going to be able to run again. And now you're like 50 minutes and you know what I mean? Just all these different things that like you're doing like life after recovery you know what I mean yeah and I've heard other women in the community and just in general say that they're worried about not being able to run again and I had that same fear and like Mm -hmm. I just want to say like obviously it is possible you can keep your cycle still run again but at the same time I probably will ask you to reassess your goals to set realistic goals. Like you just have to get really real with yourself. And, you know, if let's say you're trying to incorporate exercise again, and then you notice, oh, like my period, it's like a little longer, kind of wonky afterwards. It's like, okay, like just be real with yourself and just assess the situation. And I don't think anyone's saying like, okay, you got to go back to all in, no exercise, anything that, but it's like, I think the test is, can we take a step back? Can we see that our working out is going to ebb and flow, that you're going to be able to like push really hard during certain points. And then maybe you need to take a step back at other parts. You know, I think that's, that's the biggest lesson I learned. It's like, I was trying to go hardcore all year long instead of having seasons. It's like Mm -hmm. when we're in high school or college, it's like you have your cross country season, like, yeah, go all out for that season. But then, you know, after that for the next three or four months you know you take it way down a notch you know and I think that's where I lost perspective it's like I just wanted to be going hardcore all the time no breaks no rest and now I'm I'm working out five days again so I run two days and I weight lift three days and I absolutely love my rest days yeah. <laughs> I love I love I'm like oh thank god I have a rest day tomorrow because I'm like my body's tired you know and before I would only give myself one rest day week and maybe I was going to go hike six miles on my rest day, but it's like, I was so so anxious on my rest day. And I'm just like, oh my God, I can't wait till tomorrow when I can work out again. But now I'm just like, Ooh, I am sitting on my butt today. Yeah, no, definitely. And one of the things that you mentioned, which I know that like, we like worked through and most people like don't realize it's playing a role, but like you've really had to become aware of how much of your ego, like you were bringing to the table and like that, and that like your ego was a bigger hindrance than like your actual body. 
That's wild. That's deep. That, I mean, that, I mean, that like cuts deep, that cuts deep, but you know, it's so true to the point where it's like, a lot of us like won't try. And it's not because your body's not capable. It's because your ego can't handle it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like your ego can't handle, you know, obviously, and plus your ego is like, not like a bad thing. It's not like the end. You know what I mean? It's like there to protect you, but you're just like, okay. Like that's where like, I think Katie Holmes, like she'll talk about like your ego as a lizard. You're like, okay, thank you for letting me know. You can take a nap. I got this right. Because like your ego, I remember like we were talking about it as, um, and because I, because I had to go through it too. Like I truly had to go through it where it's like, well, why don't you just go play pickleball? And then it's like, but it's like, but like, they don't know that I used to be super athletic <laughs> and they're just going to see this person who's struggling to move. And I'm like, and it doesn't matter because nobody knows you. And then like, we realized that's the problem. Like our ego wasn't being fed. And it's like, in order to actually have a life after recovery, we have to let the ego go. We have to let the ego go so that you can rebuild a life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm, and I totally went through that stage too, where I'm like, but they're not going to know that like I ran a half marathon in an hour 30, like that's a sub seven pace, you know, yeah. <laughs> but now I'm at the point where, cause I'm starting a new job soon. <laughs> Got a job. Yeah. We all, we all survived the job hunting process. If you're going through it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then they're like, then you have to do like a little about me and tell you, tell them about yourself. And honestly, I'm to the point where like, I don't even want to talk about like athleticism and like things like that. Cause I'm almost like, that's boring, you know, like I want other parts of me to like come out and it's almost like, I don't, yeah. It's like, I don't want to try to pretend or like kind of live this life that isn't my life at the moment. Like, absolutely. I love moving my body, being outside, being active, but like, I don't want that to be me again. Cause like literally I like family parties, you know, it's like people come up to me and are like, Oh yeah. Run any races lately. It's like, I don't, I don't want that to be me the rest of my life anymore. Like, yeah. Like I don't have anything else to talk about. You know, Danny talks about that all the time. Someone was like, so like, what do you do outside of weightlifting? She goes, uh, like she didn't have anything to say. And she goes, oh my gosh, I think I'm boring. I think like I'm, you know what I mean? Not that like she was boring, but like, oh, I haven't cultivated anything, any other part of me other than this, because it's been so obsessive. And which is kind of interesting, you know, the whole profile thing is like, we, yeah, you're so right. Like we wind up listing other accomplishments or like it's lame to list work accomplishments in like your profile. So I'm going to list like other accomplishments and it's a sub seven, you know, mile or something like that pace, you know, so interesting. We're such, we're such interesting people. Okay. But I know that there is two maybe yeah. two other areas what are the like what like what is something yeah. else that like really has been something that you're like wow post so recovery? yes the one thing that I want to talk about for my other fellow ladies who may be experiencing extreme hunger right, right now and feel like oh this is never gonna end or like can I ever get to a point where just or anyone in general that is like can I ever get to a point where my hunger cues are just normal again. And I want to sit here and attest that like, 
Yes. Like your hunger cues do go back to normal. Like I was the person that felt like I literally was eating every minute of the day during my recovery and that I just never felt full or satiated. And it, honestly, it starts to wear on you. Like, it's kind of crazy to say, like some people I feel like are like, oh, it must be so fun to like eat all the time. It's like, actually, no, <laughs> no, it's not. And so now it's been one year since I first started going all in and I, you know, I'm eating my three meals regularly. I do still have, um, usually I have two snacks, like a morning and afternoon snacks still. I mean, I have two snacks. Don't catch me without no snacks. Danny lives yeah. that non-snack life. I'm like, no way, homie. <laughs> and, no. but the biggest thing is like, yeah, I'm still probably eating like, you know, that same structure, but like the portions of like my meal and snack have like way reduced from mm -hmm. what they were before. However, it is still more than what I was eating previously when I developed HA. So like, you know, it's like I eat breakfast where I do like a little egg scramble with like eggs, some chicken and veggie. And then I have two pieces of like sourdough toast still, you know? So it's like, I'm still eating like hearty like meals. It's just not like crazy as it used to be during recovery. Yeah. And it's pretty normal. I say it's so normal. That's a great breakfast. Yeah. And, and I feel like I can go like two, three, four hours without having to eat. And if for whatever reason, like I wake up and I can't eat for two hours, like that's okay. When before I used to wake up and be like, oh my God, the world is ending unless I eat right this second. So I do want to say like, yes, your yeah. hunger goes back to normal and you can be a little flexible with it but also if there's moments of you're just like I am hungry today like honor those cues and honestly if you just eat a little extra it's like eating like 200 calories more mm -hmm. that usually like satiates my body so it's not even like oh my god I'm gonna have to eat like so much more you know and I've realized if I fight it and like try not to eat more because like I still experiment with things if yeah. anything it just delays it and so for multiple days in a row I'm like extra hungry but I've noticed if I just nip it in the bud right away then usually I'm like oh I'm good we're cool again mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely I think it's so interesting how like mental hunger like all these things play a role and they are you know and and again like it makes me think of like the level uh, well, I think it's always interesting that it's easier, obviously it's easier for us to restrict because it's so rewarded, right? And like the results are so rewarded that we, that like, we don't realize how easy it becomes to restrict. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And then, so to think about like your body getting to a place where that is that, that that is truly the past and that is not the current situation you mean for your body to establish this level of safety looks different on everybody and what and what everyone has to do is going to look different right and so I think it's just I think it's I think it's wild I think it's logical at the same time and then I think it's like wow you know what I mean yeah and I also want to say that like during my recovery like I just ate anything and everything. And yeah, I did eat 
you know, I would incorporate junk food into what I was eating. Like I remember one time, like I had like a milkshake for dinner, you know, just because like I was going through this nauseous time period and like, I could only get liquids down. So yeah, part of me was just like, I am eating like outrageous right now, but now I honestly could care less about what I eat. I honestly rarely, rarely ever crave sweets. So like I never eat sweets anymore. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just don't get intense cravings like ever. So when people try to tell me that they're addicted to sugar, I don't believe them 1%. I just say, you're just hungry. <laughs> yeah, I have, yeah, I have just thought about that. Some people may not agree with me and or appreciate that statement, but um, I would like to see I would like to see somebody who feels addicted to sugar, who's not restricting mentally or physically. I just feel like that's the thing. That's the area that I need to see to have a further opinion on it, you know, type of thing. Because unfortunately what I see is people feel addicted to sugar and they are the most restrictive people I have seen. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Like the most restrictive. And I'm like, yeah, well, your body does need glucose. So there's that, you know what I mean? Like there's an actual biological need for this, you know what I mean? And especially for women, there is a biological need. Like, I, so like you need, you need glucose to convert T4 into T3, you know what I mean? So at the most, which impacts your cycle, I mean, all the way down to LH, I mean, it's just all these things. And so while of course, I'm sure that there are some people that can do keto and no sugar but like if your genetics are not going to allow it you will quickly know because you will not have a cycle no matter how hard you push it you know what I mean and so I just and and again even individuals that I know that have cycled on keto again show me somebody who who is not restricting mentally emotionally and physically and then you know what I mean like like it's just too big of a piece and I haven't seen any, anybody, you know what I mean? Or studies mm -hmm. where they're like really taking that into consideration. You know what I mean? So I just, so like, I just think, and plus I think addicting is such an interesting word to say as well. I know this isn't the point of the podcast, but I just feel like, yeah. Like when I think of alcohol addiction and I think of like being addicted to like cocaine or crack, like, I don't know if I've ever seen sugar put someone homeless on the side of the road. And that doesn't mean that that's what it has to be, but you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like there's a level of difference, but I'm open to being wrong. But first step is show me someone who says that they're addicted to sugar or have a problem with sugar, who isn't mentally and emotionally restricting, you know what I mean? So yeah, there's my absolutely. thoughts on that. And one other thing I just want to say to you on the extreme hunger front, um, again, like it does go down and the only way to get through it is you do just have to eat and like listen to your body. And if you feel like you're broken because now you think like, oh, now I have a binge eating disorder. Like, yes, it may oh, feel yeah. like. It, it yep. may feel like you're binging just because, yeah, you are eating like an obscene amount of calories, but like it will go away. Cause I, I love the analogy. I forgot who told me this, but essentially when you were restricting underweight, potentially had anorexia, your body was in winter for a really mm -hmm. long time. 
And now that you're recovering, your body is in summer where food is plentiful. And so it doesn't trust you yet. And so it just wants to eat all the things because it doesn't know when you're going to go back into winter mode. So it's trying to store everything. And that's also why, you know, people do talk about like overshoot weight. And I, you know, I know that's like a controversial thing of like, is that a thing or not? But (laughs) But it's just, you have to work through that. And then I realized in And also you have to like talk to yourself at a certain point. Like I had to sit there and like tell myself like, you're okay, you're safe, you know? Cause I did Mm -hmm. realize like I'd have like feelings of anxiety when like extreme hunger came up. Cause I was just like, oh my God, this is a very uncomfortable feeling. So I did have to like work through and just sit there and be like, you just ate, like you're okay. But granted, this was like a couple months, like after, like I got my period and stuff. So like, I absolutely knew I wasn't in a calorie deficit you know, but I do just want to say like, it does go away. Give yourself grace. This won't last forever. Your body is smarter than you think it is. And it will write itself up again. Totally. And I think like you hit on something so important too, is that like you, like, you know, someone who, who has extreme hunger, that's different than someone who's anxious about eating because they don't want to gain weight. It's like, it's like, it's like a completely different ball game. It's not like, Oh, you know what I mean? I don't want to gain weight. It's like, no, 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 no. Like I'm like this, you know what I mean? Like to where like before you were so okay with restricting and the results that it produced and all the things. And then now you're like, we, it's part of healing swinging so far the other way that like you fear extreme hunger. And so this isn't like a restriction like method it's a okay you know what i mean hunger doesn't doesn't and should not I'm not saying should not but like it doesn't mean that it's an emergency but it is something that i'm paying attention to and i think that this is so important because nobody talks about everyone talks about like your hunger is a sign and honor it and heck yeah yes obviously yes 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 that's like what we did to get here right but on the other end like like you're talking about, like we can be in such a state still where our nervous system is like, yeah. you know what I mean? That like, whenever we feel hunger, it's become an emergency. So that's where you and I did work together. And we we're like, you know, yeah, let's like remind ourselves, like I am fed, I'm fully fed. I'm going to be fully fed. And tomorrow I'm going to be fully fed. And you know, like afternoon is going to be fully fed. And that wasn't to make it go away. That was simply just to reframe our and heal our relationship with hunger, meaning that hunger is a cue for us, you know, not always like a sign that the ship's on fire. And I also want to mention too, that this is after I gained like a ton of weight, Yeah, you know, yeah, so, yeah. so it's that wasn't like, like oh, the- someone who gained five pounds and we're trying to tell ourselves like, you're okay. You're not hungry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, everything was pointing to like you're you definitely gained enough weight like mm-hmm. you are fully nourished you have been for like months and months and months so like and, it's okay. and like you are ovulating yeah and so think about there's a difference of saying hey we are okay but in a restrictive mindset we'll say we're okay we don't need to eat that's a, that is not the same thing guys that is not the same thing reminding yourself and creating a safe place is different than saying you're okay you don't need to eat now you know what I mean 
Yeah. Just such a, again, just such a wild journey that most people don't talk about. Yeah. And then moving on to the third thing, because I know we don't want the podcast to get too long, is um, I just want to talk about body image too. And yeah. Go also, and also, I know that when I was listening to these podcasts and I was listening to women's like recovery stories, the big thing on my mind was like, well, did they lose the weight? You know, like that was always the biggest thing. And so, you know, I'm a couple months out from being like a year recovered and like, I haven't really lost any weight. However, however, from when I started my recovery to now, I feel like my perspective on just what I expect from my body and just kind of life in general has like completely flipped on its head. So, yeah. So previously, you know, I think any of our goals going through recovery is how can I get through recovery and gain the least amount of weight possible? Like we all want to tiptoe that line of like, I'll gain enough, but I don't want to gain too much. Cause like, you know, God forbid, <laughs> you know, we, we gain yeah. too much weight. And so how I look at it now is the body I'm in now feels safe. I'm able to do the activities that I want to do. Am I continuing trying to improve myself? Absolutely. I still have strength and endurance goals. Like I want to continue getting stronger. I want to continue increasing my endurance so I can run for longer. I can run faster. I can start climbing mountains again. Like I already told my husband that I have this next step goal in mind of what's kind of like my, my goal for like kind of hiking a little bit up this mountain. I usually hike because I was like, I got to test it out. Got to see where I'm at physically. So it's like, yes, I still want to better myself every single day. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. However, my goal isn't first and foremost, got to lose weight. It's how can I get stronger and faster? And I would be lying if I said I didn't want to lose weight. I absolutely would like to eventually lose some weight. Again, I did gain north of 50 pounds, you know, so I, I know, I know deep in my heart that this probably isn't my forever body, but this is where my body needs to be now. And that's okay. Like I've learned how to live with my body in the moment. It could change down the line, but like, how do I live here now? How do I, how can I have the confidence to know I'm worthy enough to be loved by everyone to speak my mind, being the person in this body size that I am now. And I'm not willing to do crazy things to lose the weight. Mm-hmm. Like I'm of the mindset that I'm going to be that steady Eddie. Like, mm-hmm. yes, I'm going to choose the foods that are most nutrient dense so that it, it fuels my training. I'm going to just slowly increase how long I run over time and, and things like that. I'm just going to slowly do things over time. And yes, probably eventually I will lose weight because I gained all the weight because I was eating 3000 plus calories and I wasn't exercising at all. So it just makes logical sense that a year or so from now, if I'm still eating the same amount, nutritious foods and exercising the same amount, like my body will probably lose some weight, but that's not Mm -hmm. the main focus of why I live my life. 
every day. And I, and I've, I've been forced to do the hard work. Like every day I have to make the choice to be okay with my body, to respect my body. I'm not going to sit here and be like, love your body. <laughs> like you, you, you know, like that's just, yeah. it's not, it's not possible. Some days I look at myself and I'm like, yeah, like I'm looking good today. And then other days I'm just a mess. And the, or in the, in the sense, like, it's not like I'm crying out to the world, but like just in my mind, yeah. I'm just like, oh my God, like don't feel good today. Like I just am having a bad body image day, but I know those will pass. And I can always tell that I have bad body image days when something else kind of awry in my life is going on, you know? And so I think that's when we then like kind of turn to ourselves and almost try to start like picking at ourselves just because for whatever reason, as women, that's just what we do. So I've tried to realize certain patterns that appear like, let's say I got a rejection for this job. I was going after, I then realized that I usually have a bad body image that day because I'm just feeling overall low. Absolutely. They call it body translation. And it's like one of those things that if, if like you're uncomfortable with something in your life, whether it's the timeline, wanting to get pregnant, the timeline of getting pregnant, the timeline of healing, the timeline of buying a house, the timeline of your life trajectory you're going to feel uncomfortable in your body. You, you know what I mean? And so it's just like one of those things where, I mean, I honestly would not have believed this. So like, that's why, like when my clients go through this, I'm like, I know you're not going to believe me, but I promise this is connected. I may, I probably would have never believed it until like I experienced it. I mean, I heard about the body translation. I was like, oh, that makes sense. You know, this was like back in my, like, uh, nutrition coaching days. So I was like, I'll save that for one of my clients. You know what I mean? And then I experienced it. I was like, my gosh. And I remember it's one of those things where I was at the leanest I'd ever been. I think I was like 13% body fat. I had just, and the only reason why I know that is because I had just had gotten like a DEXA scan and like a body fat thing. Cause I would go monthly y'all the <laughs> insanity. You guys don't even know all the insanity because I've like blacked out, but now I'm like resurfacing y'all. Um, and Blake was getting ready to deploy. And I remember I was on my phone. I was over, I, I was like leaning over on our cabinet we had a beautiful home. Like, you know what I mean? I got like, I loved where I lived, all these things. I kid you not. And I was like, I just feel really large. I just feel really like, like, and like, I will feel that in my lower, uh, back. Cause that's, cause that's where I hold most of my body fat now but then I didn't have any, like it was gone. Hence why my period was gone and everything else was gone. Right. Like it wasn't there. Right. Like it actually wasn't there. And I just remember being like, man, I just felt like really thick, really heavy, really, you know what I mean? And I'm like, that's not freaking possible. That's that like, it's actually not freaking possible. I just got my body fat percentage. I am the leanest I've ever been. I am ridiculously lean. And then I had to ask myself, huh, I wonder what else is bothering me. And I was like, well, I guess it's a heavy thing that Blake's leaving for seven months in like two days. You know what I mean? But like, and so I have literally translated, even because I'm such a denier that I will like subconsciously translate it and not even realize what's going on. But yeah, just like you're saying, it's like, if you have been rejected, you're likely going to be trying to work it out 
and it ends up in our body. It really does because like we bring it into the physical and we're like, okay, I'm feeling rejected, but I can't fix that emotionally. I don't know how to fix it emotionally. So I'm going to fix it physically. How do I do that? I lose weight because then everybody loves me and I'm no longer rejected, right? It's just wild, wild. And so it's, so it's really cool to see you like walk through the season and be like, so I've, I have proof now that my bad body image days are actually not permanent. Mm -hmm. There is an end to them because whenever you're an HA, like, you're just like, that's the fear. I can't have, I can't allow myself to have a body that would cause a bad body image day. Cause then there's no way out. I'm stuck. I have a life of doom of hating my body. And then when you regain your cycle and you realize, huh, it may only actually be, maybe it's two days a month. And to me, it seemed like it was my entire month. That's actually not what's happening. You know what I mean? So wild. Mm-hmm. Sorry. That was a tangent, but keep going. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, everything you said is so true, but it really is. You have to do the work and you have to make the choice. And again, I believe that everyone can get to a point of being okay with their body. You just have to do the work. And a couple of things that can help you get there is one, buy the clothes that fit. Like I know, trust me, I know the struggle of having to buy a bigger size. I, again, I have gone through all the things I had to size up multiple times and it just, each time was just like more painful (laughs) than the next. And I've just gotten to the point of, you know what, I'm going to buy the size that fits me best because at the end of the day, nobody knows what size I'm wearing. And if I buy the one that looks the best on me, like clothes, I think really do make or break, you know, how your body truly does look. And like, I, I realized I had no fashion sense because, because I was in such a thin body my whole life. Like anything look good on me and like my sister and I have this joke that when we see certain like looks like on like models and stuff that we're just like is that truly fashion or does it just look good on them because their body is like super thin you know because in my opinion I say it all the time I say it like like fashion is like a outfit is fashionable if it looks good on people of like multiple sizes so once I really took the time to figure out how to clothe myself (laughs) properly. And I did do like a one style session with Samantha Dawn, which is super duper helpful. So I do recommend at least doing one session with her. And and then I'm going to do a little plug for my favorite clothing brand right now. Do it. Is Universal Standard. They are a company that is truly dedicated to size inclusivity. They have double zero all the way up to 40. And what I love about their website is it shows women of all sizes wearing the clothes. Cause then my other complaint was, is as I was getting into a larger body, it's like, I'm trying to buy clothes, but it's like, I'm just seeing it on thin women. So I'm like, that's not what it's going to look like on me. And so once I finally was able to see women of all sizes, see what it actually looked like on them, then I was like, okay, it's easier for me to put this 
outfit together in my mind. And I do notice a huge difference. If I'm in an outfit where I'm just like, I look good, this is cute, then I'm just so confident that day. The other day, like all my clothes were dirty and it's summertime now, I'm like, I'm hot. And I was like, I wanna wear shorts. And all I could find were these other pair of shorts that I'd worn earlier on in my recovery journey. And like, I could still get them on me, but like, you know, when you put a pair of shorts on and it's just like too tight, you yeah, know? Like, and and yeah. so I was just like, whatever, like I'm just around the house today. So like, I'll just wear these shorts, even though I know it's like, doesn't look the best on me. And honestly, that day I had a horrible body image day because I just felt like squished, you know? And so if you don't feel comfortable in your clothes, you're just going to subconsciously have a bad body image day. So first and foremost recommendation, like buy the clothes that fit and just screw the size, screw the size, like in each different brand, you're going to be a different size anyways. And also what I love about universal standard, I swear I don't get promote like kickbacks from them. I'm just in love with them right now. Like they um, actually have changed their sizes because they say that the um, like average woman wears like a size like 14 to 18 or something. And so they actually then say, okay, well, medium is 14 to 18. And so therefore in their closing size, I actually wear an extra small. <laughs> and that's what I used to wear pre-recovery. So in my mind, I'm like, yeah, wear an extra small still. So that's also just kind of yeah. nice when you have those issues in your head about clothing sizes. <laughs> Do they? And then, yeah, we got to wrap this up because clearly Megan and I can chat all day, every day, but seriously, um, isn't it that you can exchange sizes, like you can trade out sizes. And so I think Megan had originally brought this to us because they're like, I can't think of a better situation for women going through recovery. And again, we're not plugged by them, but if universal standards, if you want to sponsor this podcast, please reach out Ashley <laughs> at the hasociety.com. I will gladly have that happen. Um, but that like, like, because one of the barriers is I don't want to spend all this money. I don't want to spend all this money. And then for clothes not to fit. And that is valid. That's a valid thought. You know what I mean? I don't think it's the only thing holding you back, but that's neither here or there. But being that they have this thing where you can exchange sizes, I'm like, well, damn. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And, and I completely hear the argument and I feel the argument. My wallet feels the argument of yeah. it's expensive to keep buying new clothes. One, if you're truly still going through recovery and like you haven't gotten your period back yet, absolutely try to get clothes that like just have stretchy waistbands and can mm -hmm. kind of expand and stuff because your body's changing so much. I get it. Like it's just too hard. But I do believe once you get to like your second or third period and your body is going to be what it is probably for the next year, you know, that it is worth investing yes. in some clothes because how I look at it is it's for my mental health. Like I just have realized, I just feel so much better when I'm in an outfit that I truly enjoy. So you have to look at it from that way too. Like, isn't it worth the extra couple hundred, maybe 500 bucks, like over time, not all at once well, to, to feel thing. good about yourself. Yeah. Here's the thing. Two small shorts are never going to produce a great day for you. No. And if you keep putting them on thinking that you're going to get a different outcome. 
at this point, you yourself are welcoming a bad body image. You are creating it yourself. You are truly creating. And then sometimes we have to take ownership of that. Like I am actually not putting myself in the best position and we can be upset that you may not have had to try before, Mm -hmm. but that came with a cost. You did not ovulate. You have no hormones and you're putting yourself at risk for like Alzheimer's dementia, you know what I mean? And osteoporosis and osteopenia. So the, the, like, the, like, the, like bad day is coming. It's just potentially further down the road with the much bigger issues. Right. And so absolutely, absolutely. I cannot recommend it enough because, you know, last thing, and then like, we're going to shimmy off is that your body is meant to give you biofeedback and you want it to, if you're stepping on something hot, your body's going to continuously to send that message. It's hot. It's hot. It's uncomfortable. It's hot. It's hot. Like you need to move it. Right. If it's cold, your body's going to consistently send that message. So if a piece of clothing is touching you or restricting you, your body's going to keep sending that message and it's not going away. This is why you can have a bad body image day all day because you keep getting bombarded with that message. You know what I mean? Like it's actually just the most logical thing that your body is doing. It is you that's choosing to stay. You know what I mean? And so now I'm like, absolutely not. And then once you work with with Samantha, you will absolutely not dress in a way that's actually not even your style. You're like, it's just as bad as wearing something that actually doesn't fit you. You know what I mean? It's just wild. It's so wild. And and I know we're wrapping up. Go ahead. I was going to say, I know wrapping up. So I just wanted to say like my little goodbye message. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Go for it. To everyone is, you know, it's like, even though like in a sense, every woman's worst fear going through recovery is like gaining a ton of weight. Like, even though that's quote unquote, like happened for me and I'm like living my worst fear. I want to say like, I wouldn't change anything I I know deep in my heart I could not continue on the same path that I was going down before recovery I truly believe some of my relationships would have started to implode if I didn't like fix something in my life because I just was too self-absorbed I was just too like scared stuck in my routine wasn't fed enough didn't have enough brain cells to really take other people into account when I was in my darkest days of anorexia and HA. And so like, I know I made the right choice. Like all of my relationships are so much better than they were before. Like everyone still loves me. If anything, I can relate to people a lot more now that I am in a larger body than when I was in a smaller one. Cause if anything, and not saying like you should ever be accountable for triggering someone if you're just living your life and not doing something to trigger them. But it's like, I know my smaller body is probably triggering people, <laughs> you know? And so it's like, I just feel like I'm a lot more relatable to people. And I just have more brain space to think about other things besides food, working out and my body being the absolute leanest. Like, I just want to say like, I urge everyone to, as they go through their journey, that like be open to changing your perspectives on things. Be open to like overhauling like your habits or activities or just approaching it from a completely different way. And like, yes, I'm not 100% 
okay with how my body is right now. But if we're all honest, were we 100% okay with how our body was when we're at our leanest either? And like, I know that like, I'm so much more than my body and like, I can still enjoy other things in my life, like my relationship with my husband, my dog, my, you know, friends, family, coworkers and stuff without being in like my dream body. And so like multiple things can be true at once. Like, yes, you can be a little unhappy with your body, but still be really happy in other areas of your life too. So I would just say like, figure out what your life looks like where we're not focused on what our body looks like. As Ashley would say, like, can we just live in our body? Can we just go about life and not be thinking about our body a hundred times per day? Like just be in the moment. If, if I want to wear shorts and a tank top, like I'm going to wear shorts and a tank top, regardless of how it potentially could make my body look, because that's what feels good to me right now during summertime. So like, that's what I'm going to do. Oh, I love it. I love it because you just have such a message of hope that like there is life after. And again, we're going to have to have Megan back on because like we just scratched the surface because your life really is like will not end just because your body changes. No, and it's truly the least important thing about you. And like we all deserve to be worthy and loved regardless of what our body looks like. And one last thing and I swear I'm done like my husband (laughs) has like been so supportive of me like your partner should be so supportive of you like again I'm I'm north of like 50 plus pounds and my husband still tells me that like he finds me just as attractive just as sexy and he's even been kind of my sane person that when I've had like ideas of like I don't want to weigh myself but what if I start like measuring myself you know he's just like no don't do that that's another number to get like focused on and he's the one who's like just slow and steady habits and over time like you're gonna get to where you want to be and so he's the one who's like just be okay where you are right now and just chip at it like day after day oh so good we're going to have you come back on of lessons you learned while interviewing um because she did get it and she didn't need a lean body so we're gonna have to like part two this sucker all right Megan seriously you've poured so much into this community that we are just so thankful we're so thankful to see this come full circle and all your wisdom and that you continue just to just pour into the women in the HA society so if you have any questions about running how to get back into running like well like is it actually truly possible I need to see proof you know what I mean um does extreme hunger ever actually go away like will I be okay you know all these things um Megan is in the HA society and so I'll let her kind of like do all that but um yeah because I mean I think I'm friends with her on Instagram but I don't even pay attention. To, to be honest, I don't really go on social media okay. anymore. Yeah, yeah. That so like I have not seen you. Like, so like, find find me in the HA Society yeah. or like emails. Good, maybe you can have my email in the show notes. I yeah. I'm open to anyone reaching out with any questions, concern. I can give a word of encouragement, mm-hmm. but I just am glad that I can give back now too, and that there I can make like a purpose comes out of all of this you know because I think we're we're all looking for that purpose to get back to each other because we aren't anything without our community so true so true all right lady 
well, we're going to cut this and, we'll, and we're going to bring you back. <laughs> More stories with <laughs> Megan. <laughs> okay, bye, y'all. Hey there, it's me, Danny, and I want to tell you about Temp Drop as a fertility awareness method tracking option. So many of you guys know that we actually recommend the fertility awareness method both as you're going through recovery and 100% after you have gotten some cycles back and you're starting to move forward for the rest of your reproductive years. So TempDrop itself is a wearable fertility monitor and we love it. It's a wearable device so you put it around your arm and you can use that instead of taking your temperature manually with a thermometer each morning. So I'm personally a big fan of the manual tracking, all of us at the HA Society are, and that's the method that we use, you know, just using a good old thermometer. We use that with our clients because it's the best way to use it as a diagnostic tool, as a practitioner. And it's also the best way to ensure if you're trying to avoid pregnancy that you don't get pregnant. However, manual temping for many reasons is just not always an option. When you're in the middle of recovery, Again, we do recommend manual temping, but once you're cycling, the temp drop is actually a really great hack. So it gives you basically everything you need to effortlessly track your fertility status, like where you are in your monthly cycle. So you wear the temp drop sensor while you're sleeping for accurate basal body temperature readings without the stress of early morning wake-ups. So I personally love this because with a toddler, My wake-up times are all over the place and the occasional sleep disruptions make using an oral thermometer a lot more difficult. So TempDrop's accompanying charting app enables you to track an array of symptoms alongside your basal body temperature. This includes tracking your cervical mucus if you've been using OPKs, and then it also gives you sleep insights too. So you can combine these fertility signs all in one place, and that will help you identify your fertile window, confirm ovulation, plan for your period. And if you're trying to get pregnant, you know, identify whether or not you are pregnant. So whether you're trying to conceive or avoiding pregnancy, or you want to chart for health reasons like HA recovery, making sure your cycle is not slipping back, in the HA direction, TempDrop makes fertility awareness accessible to all women, even if you don't have regular cycles or sleeping patterns. So track your ovulation in real time with the TempDrop, and we are lucky enough to have a 15% off code. So if you go to their website, they're usually having a sale, but you can stack this code on top of the existing code. So just go to tempdrop.thehasociety.com and use the code AFHA Society. I think too, if you just go to tempdrop.com and, and use um, AFHA Society at the checkout, that will work too. So happy temping and good luck. This episode is brought to you by Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules. Did you know that in terms of nutrient density, beef liver actually blows vegetables and fruits out of the water? If you're a client of mine, you have already been instructed to eat beef liver either fresh or in capsule form. I recommend it for anyone and everyone who is, of course, dealing with amenorrhea and fertility challenges out there, but I may even recommend it for just everyone in general. Get your husbands on it. Get your partners on it. 
if you have a history of HA and add on top of that maybe a history of the pill, maybe you've been pregnant before, you know, through treatments or other, like you've just, your body's been through anything, you know, you're absolutely 100% dealing with a nutrient deficiency of some kind. And while it's true that testing is going to be the best way to understand those exact deficiencies, eating nutrient-dense real food is going to be one of the most important next steps that you take with or without testing. So I've been using and recommending grassland nutrition beef liver capsules for years now. And the capsule form makes it so easy to get your liver in every day. And I appreciate the transparency of this product in particular above others. So in case you're wondering, it's completely natural. This is freeze-dried beef liver in capsules. It's organic. It's made from Australian beef. And my favorite of their products is the liver with kelp because of the iodine from the kelp, which is important for overall thyroid function, which is often low in women with underperforming hormones. So rather than eat seaweed snacks every day, I get to take this beef liver with the kelp for my iodine. So if you're recovering or working on a fertility journey right now, do not skimp the nutrient-rich source of beef liver. Get 10% off your order with the HA Society and support your favorite podcast along the way. They ship to most countries, so you should be covered. Just go to grasslandnutrition.net and use HA Society, just HA Society, at the checkout for the 10% off. That's grasslandnutrition.net with the code HA Society. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women.